Happy hour. Welcome back to another episode of Titanic Minute. God. Your daily podcast where we discuss we Titanic minute by minute. I'm your co-host Rob and joined as always by my good friends uh, Bullet with Butterfly Joes. Oh and, no. And, and shared a frock. <laughs> Did you wait? You <laughs> Okay. Oh, uh, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh minute 135 guys oh uh, you could have gone with duff arm oh duff arm would have been good yeah i right. i was gonna be like 1970 joe <laughs> <laughs> wow tonight to duff <laughs> um, <laughs> a siren call <laughs> Uh, minute 135. In this minute, Cal doesn't get on a lifeboat. So uh, we start out, we have just a crew. By yelling. choice. By yeah. choice. Uh, much like the lifeboats, this podcast only allows women and children only on it. Um, uh, hey, huh? That's us. Technically um, true. Technically true. Uh, so it starts with Murdoch. The minute starts with Murdoch. He's looking at Cal after taking the cash. Uh, I think I maybe know the answer to this, but guys, would you take that money if you were Murdoch? Sure. I mean, if some rich idiot wants to give me a bunch of money for doing nothing. Sounds good to me. Well, then you're part it, of the problem. It Joe. just it kind of seems like all rules have gone out the window. So why not? Yeah, I would take it too. I would take it. Too. Then I would just shoot him and push him overboard with the all the dead dolphins that he killed. <laughs> <laughs> dead dolphins. There's just a pile of dolphins on that side of the boat. I w- That's why no I one's would there. tell. I would tell him. No, but I'll do it for your wig. How many dead dolphins would be too many for you to share a lifeboat with? Oh, <laughs> if if the lifeboat is truly going to save my life from the cold Atlantic water, then yeah. any amount of dead dolphins is acceptable. Joe? Uh, like how many dolphins I'd be willing to kill to live? No, no, no. How many dead dolphins would you just willing to sit next to on a lifeboat? Oh, gee, I same as stuff. Okay, I feel I'd be really sad. But. I mean, I my base instincts would have taken over, and survival is the rule of the day. Yeah, I mean, I I I don't. Um, I'm not one of those people that's going to pretend I would be anything other than a panicky mess if yeah. I was about to die. You know, like a couple of weeks later, once like the shock had worn off, you'd be like, "Man, that's kind of effed up that I was sitting by a bunch of dead dolphins." <laughs> I would yeah. I would lay on all those dolphins and say, "Sea World, I'm going to survive." <laughs> oh, I'm oh. keeping that. All right, we got about 12 minutes to go, Duff. Okay. All right, uh, back on the deck. Lytoler is still struggling. He's shooting his gun, getting only women on the ship, so he's doing that part right. Uh, Jack and Rose show up to see the the panic and the chaos, and Jack tells Fabrizio and Tommy to check the other side, and they hesitate a little bit, and Jack says, go. So I don't remember 
Is this the last time the band is together? I believe so. They don't really get a good goodbye. Like this is Fabri. This is fitting for Jack. This is his goodbye to Fabrizio. It's him telling him to do something. Fabrizio and Tommy both kind of being like, I don't know, and then Jack yelling at them to go, and then he never sees them again. Potentially, yeah, I don't not, remember. Neither of them have much luck on the other side, as we'll find out soon. No. So I think that's the last time uh, Tommy and the stereotypes are together. Um, and then Lovejoy, on the other side of the ship, he finds Cal again. So I was wondering about this. There's a lot of like the last you know, 20, 30 minutes this movie we've seen is Lovejoy finding Cal. We've often made fun of Cal and that Lovejoy is smarter than him and Cal's a fail son and he's an idiot. But part of me starting to wonder if Cal just keeps trying to lose Lovejoy and he keeps coming back. <laughs> what? Yes. Okay, explain. Okay, I will. So Thanks. Uh, <laughs> Lovejoy informs Cal here that he found her and she's waiting for a boat with him. Okay. And I kind of wish Cal would be like, who? <laughs> like, just sort of, you know, try to show, like, I'm not bothered by Jack. I don't even know who you're talking about. I don't even remember who you're talking about. But let me let me get keep going, Joe. I'll get to where I'm getting to. So Cal's okay. upset. We see in the background Ismay's getting everyone on their lifeboat. He's being helpful, actually. Uh, Murdoch looks at him, and he says, anyone else? And then Cal... You know, we'll get to this, but he doesn't. My question is this. Did Cal pay enough for one seat or for two? Oh. Hmm. So he doesn't want, he wants to avoid that situation where he has to tell Lovejoy, like, oh, you, you, you're staying on the boat. Yeah. Or the ship, sh- excuse me. Yeah, he had just shaken him. He just finally, like, ah, no, Lovejoy, go, uh, uh, go check the, 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 go see if there's any dogs in the kennel. <laughs> Yeah, I only grabbed one wad of cash. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Can you grab that painting? That, that sketch? Uh, and so he, like, because it's always Lovejoy, like, hey, okay, found you. And i just starting to wonder, is there another side of the story where Murdoch is just like, this guy won't leave me alone. I don't even pay him. I don't even pay this guy, and he just, like, won't I suppose I could see where Cal doesn't like him hanging around all the time he's certainly not going to pay for a spot for him on the lifeboat i would guess not yeah so in this moment here where uh burdock looks around and he says anyone else then cal looks at him and he turns around and he utters a curse which i cannot say on our Puritan puritan show we can't even say that you said that we went by the george carlin rules we can't say a GD. Right, yeah, we can say, say that. We, we already say. have. Okay, all right. All yeah. Right. Okay. Rob, come all on right, now. Listen, I don't know. We follow these rules very strictly. <laughs> um, these rules that none of us know. Yeah, I don't even know. So, uh, so yeah, my first question, which you, we've sort of discussed, is what about Lovejoy? Did Cal secure spot for him? <laughs> what about Lovejoy? Sounds like an old British sitcom. It would be a good album name, actually. It's, well, it's my favorite heart song. <laughs> what about Lovejoy? Yes. <laughs> Could Lovejoy had taken this last seat? God, that would be great if he did. <laughs> like, when Cal turns around and runs off, could Lovejoy have been like, he sh- I'll, well, I'll take he, it. I'll he should have. Uh, that would have been awesome. Be like, well, all right, 
I guess, well, but then, of course, Cal would still make it, and then it would probably be awkward that he lost his sweet job later on. I think we talked about this before, earlier in the but, week. But if if there was a statistical analysis, minute by minute, of this ship going down, like, the chance of Cal surviving at this point when he says no to this lifeboat is pretty small. Oh, yeah, it's got to be, like, 1%, right? Yeah, I'd say, yeah. Which I was is like, the percent that he occupies. Yeah. <laughs> So when he says no to this, like, I don't know why, because Lovejoy, at least in this minute, doesn't turn with them. Like, just get on that boat, man. So how are we meant to react to this? As, like, a heroic gesture? Well, Joe, or... what you don't understand is the three-dimensional characters that James Cameron writes allows you to have all sorts of viewpoints on. <laughs> so I, I I have something. Uh, this this is from the You do the have Ebert. something, something special. <laughs> This is from a the beautiful Ebert. voice, <laughs> a, a silky, silky, silky smooth, smooth silky tones smooth. or whatever. Uh, silky smooth voice. We have sharp tenor tones. <laughs> so this is from uh, Roger Ebert's original review. He says the setup of the love story is fairly routine, but the payoff, how everyone behaves as the ship is sinking, is wonderfully written. As passengers are forced to make impossible choices. Even the villain, played by Zane, reveals a human element at a crucial moment. Then in parentheses, despite everything, damn it all, he does love the girl. Yeah. That's such, that's a good point. So that was the question I had. Does he love the girl? Which, uh, we'll, we'll get there. Or does he just want to win? Like, is the idea that even, even like Rose ending up with Jack, even for this, he just can't stomach uh, I don't think it's the the latter. I okay. think uh, I'll agree with Ebert to a degree in that he does love her, but my caveat is that he experiences love in the same way serial killers do. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Cal's version of love is pretty effed up. Maybe he doesn't want her surviving and telling everyone about his micro PP. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Rob, what if some of our listeners have a micro penis? <laughs> Hang in there. <laughs> God. Hang in there. Yeah, man. Not up and deal with it. Um, I don't know. I didn't think about that, Duff. I should have. Once again, we're gonna have some more, some more sponsors pull their programming from us, probably. Mm. <laughs> like James Woods. Sorry, I'm I can't on say it. his name. You have to uh, bleep that out. Um. So, what do you think, Duff? You think you you think he loves? You think he loves Rose? I, I think he loves her in, but his emotionally stunted version of love is not what we think of. So, the only way he can love her, he loves her. He loves her in. Well, but have you ever really loved a woman? (laughs) (laughs) He loves her as much as a fail son can. Okay, Joe, what do you think? Uh, I I think she's just like a an o- she's just an object to him that he must possess. She she's property. Yeah, but he's she's prop. If that's true, it's so proper that he's thrown so much money after. I don't think he has the ability to stop throwing good money after bad. 
if that you know what I mean like even if regardless of what we think like he's put a lot of his capital or his love depending on how you want to look at it into Rose and he's not willing to let go of that investment much like a car kind of I mean right like think of all the money all the stuff he's done all the stuff that he like and I kind of agree with both of you oddly enough that like Duff you're right it is the way he loves her because he's a fail son and it's all he knows and Joe related to that I think it's just because he just he's so emotionally broken that he's not able to do it in like a real human way so it is just sort of like I'm not gonna let go of this I I'm gonna see this it's too. mine yeah so it, it is an interesting moment I kind of agree with Ebert like it's an interesting moment to have our like villain who's like total villain at this point like over the top villain not take a place on the lifeboat that he paid for with his bribery it and is very funny though that one moment Cameron is trying to make Cal into this more three-dimensional character and then 20 minutes from now cal literally steals a child and pretends it's his he saves a child duff (laughs) okay (laughs) but i mean do you know what i'm saying like it's it's weird because it's like oh maybe cameron's trying to make us think twice about okay oh never mind (laughs) never mind i mean i've played the cal defender and i only partially mean it but, like, you know, you sort of think of his his storyline in this movie so far, right? Is he's this, like, rich guy who, like, brings this bratty fiancé with him on this cruise line who immediately she's just, like, unimpressed by the size of the ship, huh? Uh-huh. And, uh, and, you know, keeps leaving dinner and then she runs off and then when he finds her you know she's got some street urchin with this you know on top of her with his shoes off and looks like they might have been doing the hanky panky oh my god <laughs> and and then and and then like we just like at that point have this total meltdown of him right where he just like tries to buy him off for $20 which Duff and I say we would take that money uh and and then and then we have like uh the dinner scene where we they sort of have their back and forth and then once she starts showing interest in him we just have his meltdown right like it starts at the at the brunch and uh this is like a, a chance for his character at redemption maybe and then Which he then blows later on anyway and then later he steals a child I mean, even before that, he, like, starts shooting a gun at, like, people swimming in water in a sinking ship. Yeah. <laughs> and and also, I'm not going to spoil it, but it, it didn't even make it to a deleted scene. But we are going to have some A-plus Cal content later on. I'm looking forward to it. it. It's amazing. Uh, so that's, that's all I have on this minute. Do you guys have anything? You know what? As we've discussed, this movie, not a lot of new ground to cover. Mm-hmm. And it's Friday. And it's time with new music. Yes. Theme music for Sea Monster Friday. Let's drop it. Boom! Here's the sounds. Ah! What is that? Sea Monster Facts. <laughs> 
Okay, it's here, Duff. All right. So last week we talked about the giant squid. Mm-hmm. This week, uh, we're not going to get into the the mythology, but we're going to talk about a mystery uh, globster <laughs> that uh, washed up on the shore and was originally supposed to be a giant octopus. This is the St. Augustine monster. Okay. And this, uh, as most monsters, washed up on Florida uh, in 1896. And and we'll post this image to Steerage, but it kind of looks like a giant mound of like whale flesh yeah so it's a whale it looks like any member of the gop really (laughs) (laughs) it kind of it's it's it's, uh blake farenthold (laughs) the congressman from texas who couldn't stop touching women (laughs) the only man thirstier than our twitter account uh i think that this actually looks a lot like the uh the The gap in his teeth are the size of that sea monster (laughs) oh jesus (laughs) Uh, I think that this uh, sea monster looks a lot like the the chestburster alien. <laughs> okay, but anyway, yeah, I'll agree with that for sure. Yes. So uh, this thing washed up on the shore of St. Augustine, in Florida, and when was this? Uh, eighteen ninety six. The enormous before, mass before Titanic. Yes, it would count as the one hundred and thirty eighth largest person in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> So it was uh, half buried in the sand, but it was found just by a couple, uh, two boys, I believe. It measured 18 feet in length and seven feet across. So uh, this was a monster, but what was it? So <laughs> this is your maniac. It's a whale. <laughs> Joe, Looks just like hang on. It. <laughs> Uh, Soon after they found it, Harrison Ford cut his way out. (laughs) So this was, uh, throughout history, they've done multiple tests on this. I won't go into... Throughout history? What does that mean? (laughs) Throughout the last... Throughout history. Since they found it, there was a... They retested it in 1971, (laughs) 86, 95, and 2004. Interesting. Every year, Harrison Ford had a hit. (laughs) <laughs> oh man they that's, were trying this is a harrison ford friendly podcast and that's not funny they were trying to figure out what it was there was this some thought it was a sperm whale some thought it was a giant octopus and what basically it turned out to be at the uh, end- it was a whale that swallowed harrison ford's earring and washed ashore <laughs> uh ironically <laughs> In addition to the giant octopus, one what of, lies one, beneath? One of, That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! Uh, ironically, it was initially some papers reported it as a globster, <laughs> and it turned out to be a globster. What? Oh my God! Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so it was Harry Knowles' twin brother. Oh. <laughs> And a globster yeah. is a glo- a blob of unidentified organic mass that washes up on the shoreline. And hold on, we can cut this bit out. Where I'm, I have like four articles open because I went, I, I did a deep dive on this. 
And how long was it on the on the sand? I read that it was on there for six days, seven nights. Uh, this God. Well, the Smithsonian has. Not. I thought that was a legit question, but no. Okay. Just... Did was this dangerous? Like, would you say? No, it was... Shut, don't even finish that. Stop playing games here. This is a patriot content podcast here. I just wanted to know if it. I just want to know if it presented a clear and present danger for anyone who was swimming. And I <laughs> presumed you were innocent of that terrible pun, but sorry, you were witness. <laughs> all right, Duff's gonna get frantic. If uh... we all let him finish this. <laughs> Let's get back to the conversation. Uh, hold on. I'm just... Duff will go to extraordinary measures to find out uh, <laughs> the story behind this globster. Okay. So in 2004... Are we D- sure it wasn't a victim of a Hollywood homicide? <laughs> <laughs> DNA tests applied uh, identified all as the collagen matrix that holds together whale blubber. So this was like just a weird like Frankenstein glob. The enormous carcass appeared to have stumps of several arms or tentacles. What, so wait, hold on a second. Was this <laughs> So it was like like did a whale birth some kind of strange mutant creature? Hold on. Or is it organic matter that just globbed together? Like so a bunch of whale different whales died and then it combined into this thing? It is it just so I'm this is now from the Smithsonian. It's a large mass of the col- collagenous matrix of whale blubber, likely from a sperm whale. Hmm. So, so how did it, it, so how did it's, it form? It's, it's like connective. Right off the Mosquito Coast. Uh, <laughs> it's connective tissue. Oh, man. So this, this is like the literally the guts of whale, and it's just a bunch of junk glob together so it just never looks living so it, it, it's just part of a whale that yeah. looks like a different creature yeah okay okay much like the so, geo, a lot of gop members as we said <laughs> did it ever awaken like as a force <laughs> or was this the end of its game uh i think that the actual classification of this was the missing okay <laughs> we're so stupid uh, well, anyway, uh, that's our sea monster facts for this Friday. Hmm. Well, thank you, Duff. Just a giant glob of junk that washed up on Florida. That's remarkable. And it's so like colloquially, it's named as the uh, the globster. The Saint the Saint Augustine monster is kind of its uh, name. Okay. But uh, I'm not sure if globster is an actual scientific definition. Uh, oh, Clobster Wikipedia. Rock. rock Globster. Rock Globster, that's what I'm <laughs> Oh, God. Are we done with this week, guys? Uh, we are now. Okay. Listeners, thank you for surviving. Uh, you should sign up for the newsletter, Sinking Feeling, titanicminute.com slash newsletter. If you don't sign up, for, listen, guys, I'm going to say it. I'm going to come after our listeners. Whoa. If you don't sign up for it, you're you're dumb. Wow. Yeah. Mm. I mean, am I wrong? Mm. No. Okay. Best not, wrong. Best not to just, insult pretty, the it's, audience. It's aggressive, though. Andrew uh, Dice Clay over here. 
you can join our listener society, uh, Titanic Minute Steerage at titanicminute.com slash steerage. You can give us feedback at titanic. Every time you say listener society, I think we're the Freemasons or something. Yes, well, maybe we are. Titanicminute.com slash survey. You can let us know about our voices. Uh, and also, you should write a review for us on iTunes because Duff and I look at it and we go, oh, look at that, a review. I, I don't know how to look at it. We know. Cool. I look at that when Rob tells me to. Mm-hmm. Are we still talking about reviews or something else? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Rob's on fire today. Uh, we're done. We're done. And we'll be back next week with uh, Minute 136. Let's <laughs> go.